A new year brings a new beginning. For all our listeners that own a business, I want to tell you about FedEx Office. If you are just starting or have been running your company for generations, FedEx Office gives you the best way to print marketing materials, posters, signage, graphics, and so much more. With FedEx, creating, editing, saving, and ordering are fast and easy. We are teaming up with FedEx and Podgo to bring our listeners 30% off your next order of $100 or more at podgo.co slash FedEx. That's podgo.co slash FedEx for 30% off your next order. FedEx, the world on time. And so I think that one thing that you can do, because again, this work is hard and some people just aren't ready in a brain space to do the hard work. So do the work you can do now. So you're ready when your time comes. Like one thing you can do is evaluate your values and figure out how you put them in practice. If you believe in if you believe exactly, you can reevaluate them. If you're the type of person that's like, okay, I believe in hard work. Okay, great. What does that mean when you really have to put it into practice? Welcome to the podcast that gives you a fresh perspective on movies, comics, and pop culture. We aren't afraid to give you an honest take and won't pull any punches. This is Films in Black and White. Welcome to Films in Black and White, everybody. Super happy all of you are joining us again this week. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7, Podcast 3, The Search for Listeners. That's just, you know, we're sticking with Star Trek. This is technically Search for Spock, but... You know, just I couldn't go search for podcast. I wanted to, wanted to spice it up sense. a little bit. So. Search for listeners. We are in a search for listeners. That's true. We are. Y'all know um, the fuck is out there. That's true. We do. We know you're there. Um, <laughs> and we know you work at, like, HBO. Like, that, right, that's yes. what we know about you. Very clearly. Um, my name is Doug Wagner. I'm one of the co-hosts of Films in Black and White. But I need to invite my other co-hosts into this particular episode. And I'm going to kick it over to the one, the only, Marcus J. Destin. Marcus, Ooh, how are you feeling? I'm cooling. I'm chilling. If we would have did this podcast about two days ago, y'all would have got a completely different energy. But today I'm chilling. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay warm. It's cold as hell outside, but just it's like it's true. I mean, it was it's it was a lot warmer today. So I'm chilling. I'm cooling. I'm ready to pot. You know what I mean? Yeah, super thrilled. Super thrilled. You got it. We're we're happy you're here, and I feel you. It's been rough. It's been yeah. cold for for sure. Oof. So. Um, we also have to invite our other co-host into this conversation, Brian Roush. Brian, how are you feeling, sir? Hi, everybody. I'm exhausted. It's been mm. a big day, but I am <laughs> going to tell you something I'm not exhausted about. It's okay. to be here, jam with these guys, and we're going to talk about a phenomenal movie, and oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. get some good energy from this. So just going to be yeah. candid. I'm a, little, I'm a little exhausted taking care of two kids all day. But I'm pumped to be here. So right. I'm happy to be here, Doug. I like, the, I like the transparency and the That's, energy. I like that. I absolutely love the energy. Yeah. And Doug, how are you? I am doing well. Uh, it's It was a long weekend. Traveled this weekend. I went somewhere, mm. believe it or not, where it was colder than where I am currently. Yeah. You're doing yeah, it so, wrong, man. What's happening? Yeah. Uh, we went to the University. Uh, yeah, we went to North Dakota to see Britney's family, Ooh. and oh, okay. well, it nice. was like minus 48. And so <laughs> I didn't think that the thermostat went lower, but it does. Um, but, you know, yeah, 48. Yeah. And wow. yeah, it's bad. So uh, but I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. Like uh, Marcus How was and- Valentine's Day. It was Everybody. good. 
What, what is that like? What, what does that look like married with kids on a Valentine's Day in the cold? What, is, what does that look like? It's I, as a single as person, ex- will never it's know. It's not as exciting as you think it is. It's like, <laughs> hey, I got you a card. Uh, do you want me to let you sleep an extra hour? Like, that's essentially like that's. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so yeah romantic. I mean, that's, no, that's pretty close to the mark. Maggie and I actually we like did Valentine's Day early because we knew that um we knew that sunday it was gonna be a long day and i was like honestly do you just like you just want to like get sushi and then just oh. like <laughs> just sit like, in the car in silence <laughs> i mean honestly it was just nice it's it's like you get the kids down you rush to get the kids down and then it's like okay the food's coming and then you eat the food and then it's like well we're tired because we're, we're done now so yeah, yeah. yep that's it's basically good. it nice and relaxing so it was romantic. it was fun though Okay. To, that's like, good. To, here's what I'll say. It was fun to like. Brittany has always really liked uh, Valentine's Day. Like, she would wake up and her mom would have like a special Valentine's like treat or gift or something for her growing up. So it was nice to share that tradition with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was nice to have all of the cousins together to do yeah. that as well. So that that was fun. That sounds fun. Um, it's again, it's exhausting because it's four children under the age of three in one oh location gosh. at one point in time and one newborn because that's why we were traveling Brittany's sister um had her third um and so it was a lot of children but it was it was good so well congrats to them that yeah, made, yeah that makes sense yeah, it was good um but we need to get into catch that quotable uh, as we sort of transition to the next segment of our podcast. And right now, Marcus and I are tied. Yeah. So I think, I think in the interest of fairness, I think I, you and I should turn it over to Brian to let him go first, since that's only fair as an objective third party. Wait a minute. What? Wait, wait we're wait. tied. So I want Brian to go How first. Did, but then then who picks who goes second? Brian can still pick that. Oh my God! So <laughs> if you tie, you lose. First of all, basically, yeah. I think we wrote Shambo for it, huh? Uh, but about that, that's a visual medium, and this is a podcast. Like, and that means you should, like, you should just sign uh, up for the Patreon. Uh, that's very true. You should you see sign what up I'm for saying. I, I can narrate if, if you all want. Let's go, Brian. Let's go. I trust all right. you. All right. all right, go ahead, Brian. Gentlemen, rock, paper, scissors, or Rochambeau is the name of the game. Uh, the right. forms that we will take is the bald fist, the flat paper for those at home. That's the hand flat on the table, and then scissors. So the your your index finger and the the bad finger, uh, they're, and they're the separated. Bad finger. So that's scissors. Okay, so gentlemen, right. it's going to be one, two, three. Shoot, I don't want any none of this one, two, three business. So. Are you ready? Right, I am ready. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a okay. second. Okay, folks, they're getting ready. Marcus is thinking. Okay. Right. All right. Here we go. One, two, three. Shoot. All right. And oh, we got scissors from Marcus, it. and Doug has unfortunately picked paper. It is this slapping is, there this in the, is the wind. the premium content you listen to the podcast for. <laughs> Only fans, but Rochambeau version. <laughs> Listening to two people play rock, paper, scissors. You should have you seen the warm-up. You got to get that Patreon content. That's, that's this is very, premium. Very true. Listen, if you're in the hand porn, that just turned you on. huh? Yeah, <laughs> All right, Marcus. Uh, I am a, I am a well, man of I honor. Would, and I you would, won. Yes. So you have control of the board. Yes, I would like Brian to go first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
incredible. I was, I was like, like, like a true this is chaos Joker move. That's you incredible. Know what I'm We're gonna play the game, but it means wow. Nothing. That means but wow. you gotta play it my way. I yes. like improv that in everything. Like my mm-hmm. college great. improv teacher this right was now. Perfectly like, executed on all fronts, but you oh. know me. Wow. Okay. Well, I wasn't All expecting right, this. Gentlemen, take us away. Here Ooh. will be your quote. All right. Well, when I get it, the only thing that does any good is to jump in a cab and go to Tiffany's. Hmm. That's one more time for all y'all playing at home. Well, when I get it, the only thing that does any good is to jump in a cab and go to Tiffany's. Okay, so for, for yeah, so for those people who may not be aware, Tiffany's is a high-end store. Yeah, so this expensive. is set in New York because sure. you're jumping in a cab and you're going to Tiffany's. Now it feels oddly on the nose for it to be breakfast at Tiffany's. That's but that's the only thing that I can think of. That was the only thing. Doug, that was the exact first thing that came to my mind was. But this could also be a like. 13 going on 30 where someone's telling this person who seems brand new fresh off the boat that they're you know that's how I they just, cope i also feel like you know what's funny dude huh. i feel like because brian's reading it in and in, 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 in brian has a male voice it could be a woman that's saying this it very well could be so it i don't want well that to be. throw us off what is the hint brian I'm thinking of my hint because the one I have is like right on the nose. Yeah, uh, uh, a little bit. The hint is Moon River. I, I have it. River. Okay. I have it. All right, Marcus. Doug, but Doug, I, I, would you like to guess first? No, mm-hmm. I would not. If you have it, go ahead and give your guess. I, I am actually going to guess Breakfast at Tiffany's. You are correct. Yeah. Look at I, that. that. For Nailed some it. reason, I remember. I remember Moon River. What is? Can you define that hint? Because for some reason that sticks out to me. What is the song? Moon River is the song. Like it is the theme song of the movie. And it is also sung by Audrey Hepburn, who also stars. Yep, that's what it is. There you go. That's a good, good, good way to throw back to a classic too, Brian. You, you know, it it's one of those films that when I was taking cl- like film classes, it was like, this is a classic and you need to understand it. And I was like, man, I haven't thought about that movie in ages. So I just thought I'd bring that out. That's mm. a good one. Good work. Good oh, work. Oh, shucks. Wow, thanks. That really just brought back so many memories and I have no idea why. Oh, yeah, man. Right. Listen to Moon River and like you'll yeah, I'll take you back. back. My yeah, other guess was Devil Wears Prada. That was my That's that fair. was my second guess, and I just didn't know. But when you said Moon River, for some reason, that, okay, whatever. All right, okay. all right. All right, right, Marcus. Doug, go ahead. All right, all right. <clears throat> Y'all ready? That, I'm ready. Can we just talk about why is it that Moon River is sticking out? What scene is that from? I just it's, don't understand. Is it a specific scene? Is it the intro? It. I remember it uh, mostly like towards the finale and the credits. I also think it's at the start of the movie. Okay. Um, but I mean, the whole song is about like I'm gonna go on this adventure and like it's two friends and it's this winding river and it's it's very comforting. I, go. I don't. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't remember about, watching Breakfast you know, at right? I think I've literally seen that. I'm once. ready though. I'm ready. Okay. Yes. That's I'm okay. ready. All right. If you dress Halloween, ghouls will try to get in your pants. What the hell? <laughs> One more time. <laughs> if you dress Halloween, ghouls will try to get in your pants. Okay. This is such a right turn from like breakfast to Tiffany's. <gasps> Off All the right. rip, it feels like dumb and dumber. 
because it feels like somebody goofy is saying this and it could be also be hoobie hoobers halloween it's true. I, honestly i thought about that i did think about that we but didn't it feels, watch that Brian, but I, I feel like doug would have watched that in his private time with the family while he was up there so fair. it could very well i mean it does feel like a movie Doug would hate watch a little bit. I would he hate would, watch that. You're right. You would hate yep. watch the hell out of that. I would hate watch the hell out of it. And I would enjoy hating hint? every minute of it. What's um, the hint? Your hint is prison. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I mean, Marcus, I feel like we wasted our time asking ourselves if Doug watched the Adam Sandler <laughs> Halloween movie instead of dissecting right. the quote. But that's you know what? It was worth it. I, partially I, my fault, too. Yeah, that's okay. partially my fault. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Um, hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, got, I have a shot in the dark guess. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Is this Get Hard? This is not get hard. Right. Fair Ooh, guess, yes. but not get hard. All right. If you dress like <laughs> dress like Halloween, ghouls will try and get in your pants. Okay. I'm gonna go with Hubie Hubie's. You know which movie I'm talking Hubie about. Hubie Halloween. This Hubie is Halloween. not Hubie Halloween. What is this? Uh gentlemen, this is the Nicolas Cage classic face off. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Yes. Said by one Casper Troy. <sighs> Oh Damn. my gosh. Okay, that was good. That's a good <laughs> oh, quote, Doug. Wow. That's a solid quote. That That's is, a solid quote. Uh, that is a bonkers Nick Cage thing that he would say. And I'm kind I'm kind of happy I didn't notice it because I was getting yeah. concerned for myself there yeah. a little bit. So that's good. I that felt the, good to be stumped. The amount of quotes in that movie, I don't think that one is one that stood out the most. Oh there, that movie is so fucking quotable. Yes. I, just Damn. like Dude, I could have picked any other movie, any other quote, and you all probably would have gotten it. But yeah. I saw so I was like, man, what's the most obscure line that I can find? And believe it or not, that was it. So that was a great job. There you go. Well done, Doug. Job, well job. done. All right, Marcus, take us home. Here we go. Bold, I'm fine with. I was afraid you were gonna say nuts. Once again, bold, I'm fine with. I was afraid you were gonna say nuts. I don't know why it is every week (laughs) that Marcus's quotes completely stump me. (laughs) I have hope with Brian's, but then Marcus comes out of here and I'm like, what are you talking about? Bold, I'm fine with. I thought you were going to say nuts. They must have just done something crazy, but I don't know. I don't know. It funny feels... enough. I changed this quote midway. Um, Look at oh, you. Wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. All right. That's your prerogative. All right, Marks. What's our one word hint? Um, your one word hint is going to be dusk. Dusk. Yeah. Dusk. Oh my god. Dusk. Dusk. When you guess it, you're gonna be pissed. You're gonna. Okay, I have a guess, and it's a shot in the dark. And Come on. hit me. Here it is. Marcus, is this X-Men Origins Wolverine? No, it is not. I How the see... hell did you get that? Okay, so I could have seen this being um, Ryan Reynolds' character having okay. a conversation like right at the very okay. beginning. Remember, okay. like they're all getting ready for the like storming the castle or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't even remember. I, ap- movie. I apologize because that makes sense. Yes. So, but no, it's not the movie. God, but yes, man. Um, oh, that makes a lot of sense. 
Mine's kind of in the same vein. Is it Hobbs and Shaw? It is not Hobbs and Shaw. <sighs> I did rewatch that movie and it wasn't that bad. Um, it's so not bad. It's, it's not. not it's not. not it wasn't that bad. It's it not bad. To watch. Um, gentlemen, this movie is Tenet, said by John oh, David Washington. God. Oh man! Yeah. Damn it! Said by John David. Washington. I was too busy trying to figure out whether it was forwards or backwards to remember <laughs> yeah. what they were saying. <laughs> yeah. Look. Yeah. <laughs> I missed that shit forwards and backwards. Dialogue. Yep. Yep. You. But I remember that because I remember looking at Doug in the movie, <laughs> and and the only thought in my head was this movie is nuts, and yes. that was it. That was the only thought in my head. That was the it. only thing I remember. There's two things I remember. I remember the dinner scene where he gets his nuts threatened to be shot off at, <laughs> at right. a full meal with Brian, easily 10 to Brian 12 witnesses. I've not seen this movie. It's fine. And then the spoiling the nuts. Is, Go ahead. And then the second thing I remember is I remember um, their fight in the room where um, Kenneth oh, Branagh like, like shoots himself oh, in the leg, I think. Yeah. But those are the two yeah. things that I remember. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I was just trying to make heads or tails of it. Here's a spoiler alert for those that saw, you know, that have been listening to us since that Tenet episode. We oh never went gosh. back to watch it. Um, I have not. I refuse to pay for it, so I'm going to wait for it to just <laughs> come on cable, and maybe I'll try I to mean, understand it then. Honestly, that's the reason I haven't touched it, because, like, both of you have just been like, nah, man, this this ain't it. And it's like, I'm not going to pay money for that when I have, yeah. like, a bazillion streaming services. That's right very and, true. And it's not because it's Christopher Nolan, because I watched Interstellar. And I right, enjoyed right. Interstellar, and I still will rewatch Interstellar, and that's a damn near three-hour, four-hour movie. Oh man, so this good. one just didn't do it. Yeah. Um, but yep. you know, it is what it is. Good quote, though. Yeah, good thank quote. You. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank well, Marcus, you have officially pulled ahead wow. in the leaderboard, so you wow. sit a pot, you sit atop uh, the throne. The black man on top of Black History Month. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> We didn't um, plan that, folks. This is this is this organic. Is they they did, did not use their this privilege to put me on top. I, I worked for that. <laughs> the the world my, just has my, a way of laces. working itself out. Like you know it, what I'm saying? Know? Reparation comes in many forms. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and this happens to be one of them. So, it was breakfast at Tiffany's. That's what. That's what, that's how it came <laughs> yeah. about. So. One of the, through one of the one whitest movies ever. I got reparations. Um, well, let's let's before we dive into our movie this week, let's just do our quick round table of one piece of news each. Um, I'm going to resist the Drake reference because we were just chock full of them last time. And I, I think Mark, they, they dropped five. I think you would just after the leave the podcast. If oh I said Jesus. Drake has one dance, we have one piece of news. It would just be awful. Um, Anyway, uh, Marcus, since you are the top of the leaderboard, I would like you to start us off with your news this week. So what do you got? <sighs> Let's start here. Zack Snyder released Ooh. a new trailer for the Justice League, the Snyder cut of the Justice League um, that is coming out next month. OK, and to be honest, I'm excited. But my news is I'm a little worried. OK, um, why are you worried, Marcus? Some of that CGI in the trailer has me a little cautious. There's okay. a lot on the line about this movie, and I feel like I'm one of those, we demand the Snyder Cut. And and because of that, <laughs> um, if this fails, then I'm going to look stupid as hell. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those instances. But, like, I believe in Zack Snyder. I believe in the story that he wants to tell. And For beyond sure. that, I believe in the art 
um, the art portion of why this movie got made of seeing somebody who, um, you know, they were working on something, went through this tragic moment and then being able to come back and tell the story in relation to that tragic moment. For sure. And really, honestly, I believe, I don't know, but I believe having to live with that trauma or relive that while shooting this because you left in the middle of that and then you're picking up kind of where you left off. Um, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about him losing his daughter um, while filming Justice League and then having to hand it over to Josh Whedon and WB. Uh, so I am a little worried. Some of the cyborg, if you go back, look at the trailer, the cyborg CGI is a little bit off. The dark side CGI is a little bit off. But other than that, oh, oh, and I was telling Doug, I'm not too fond of the Joker. At least that shot that they gave us. Yeah. <laughs> not the fondest. So I'm a little worried, but there were a lot more cool things in there, like black suited Superman. And, yep. mm -hmm. you know, I'm living, look behind me, like Death of Superman was one of the first comic books that I've read. It was one of the first comic books I ever read. So this movie is my childhood coming full circle to sure. on full screen because I don't believe we'll be able to see anything like this again in the next 10 years. For sure. For sure. I think it's going to take a while to get here again. So that is kind of my news and my, my point. Any rebuttals, gentlemen? Yeah. Well, I don't have any rebuttals. I think you actually have a right to be nervous. Um, yeah. And I think you have a right to be a little, because this has been, I mean, if we want to talk about when the hype train left the sta station, the hype train left the station the minute that this was announced. And so yep. it's all culminating. And now that we've gotten closer, it's most certainly something to be a little bit nervous about. The sure. other thing that I think that's important that I think you should have a right to be nervous about is um, Deborah Snyder, set mm -hmm. the record straight on a on a podcast episode um where she talked about like how extensive the reshoots were and i think a lot of folks who were that like we demand the cider cut thought like oh man they're gonna reshoot everything um they only shot like one additional scene <laughs> makes sense. they didn't I'm, shoot yeah, that much sense. extra stuff yeah they just, there's no a way lot of it was already so i think what they primarily did is they went into the editing room and they took all of the footage and said you know let's reassemble this in a in the way that we wanted to assemble it um so i think that fans are going to get something that feels really really similar but is an entirely different rendition of something maybe we've seen before so yeah. i think you have a right to be nervous legitimately i think you have a right to be a little anxious about it and he's also doing, I know that, and I know Brian's got something to say. I want to hear from you too, Brian, but I know he's also doing um, remastered Batman versus Superman extended cut as well. Yep. And I, you know, hmm. there's news that there's not going to be a sequel that WB is not interested in a sequel. Now, what I do believe is that it's going to sound bad, but if Wonder Woman three can get greenlit for its third, it, um, I do think, did I break up a little bit? Did a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Okay. If Wonder Woman 3 can get greenlit early for the end, and then we look at the, the streaming numbers that we did, go back to the episode where Brian does the math. Oh, shucks. Uh, I think if this movie does better than they expect, then I think we can expect much more. That's for just, sure. if it does extremely well and bust out number wise, I think, you know, we can expect a little bit more. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would absolutely agree with that. Brian, what do you got? I feel so for me, I, I I am just flabbergasted by this entire process. Like I, I feel like a neutral party. Like yeah. I know there have been like the Twitter campaign to get the Snyder cut. I was yeah. never like, I just heard about it. I never really engaged with it. I was like, I mean, it'd be fine. Like, it, but I'm fine with the way things are. And then I know there were people that were like, 
what are you doing? Like, don't touch this movie. It's done. It's we're moving on. Like we're doing other things. So like it's moving on. It's just it's fascinating for me to just see it at this level. And I love filmmaking to the point where it's like I'm I love all the characters in Justice League, but I'm going to be just as excited to be like, what did he keep and what didn't he keep? And what did this convey instead of this? So I'm excited for that just from like a pure spectator view. Um just from the preview though it's just like man like there's just so much going on sure. that it is so hard for me to get a beat on it and honestly i i don't know i'm just excited to see what they put together i'm also though tempering my expectations of just like there may not be a ton different like sure. I and i keep comparing it to george lucas definitely not the same but like similar yeah. vibes of like are you just gonna go back and special edition this and like a cyborg <laughs> gonna have like an extra missile launcher and like oh we changed oh, it sure. you know yeah. um which maybe that maybe that is it and that's fine but that doesn't seem like it since they're they've added mm-hmm. so much runtime to it right. so I I still remain curious. I can't wait for us to talk about it on the pod. I think this is going to be a fascinating experiment. I really do. I, I think you're yeah. right. When does this release, Marcus? Like, what's the is date again? The March 13th. Okay. I'll look and it up. Then, to be honest with you, I think what to be what I'll probably do is between now and March 13th, I'm just going to rewatch the Whedon version. Bless you. And, and I think also I think watch Batman versus Superman. <laughs> well, that I've already watched. the The extended cut I watched. Um, I think when I was sick a while back, I, I definitely watched that though. Um, Solid pick. And so I, I'll watch, I kind of want to watch the Whedon version and maybe just on. notes. I have to give my, I'm going to plug my thing into my modem. So you're fine. But yeah, I'm. so I think it'll be kind of cool to kind of just see what's going on on that end and, and kind of, you know, see what he's got. So yep. great. So no, awesome. Thanks for breaking that down for us, uh, Marcus. Super excited about what that'll look like. So yeah. March I, I think- 18th. March eight, March eighteenth. Okay, so between now and March eighteenth, um, I'll watch the Whedon version. Yeah, about a month. Um, All right. Yeah, Brian, what do you got for news? I have a small bit of news because okay. I am a Star Wars fan, and I was excited oh, to see yeah. this. So, uh, Ryan Johnson, who is the director of The Last Jedi, recently did an interview with Saria Wilson, who writes for USA Today. Sure. And a lot of people were asking her lots of questions about her interview with Ryan Johnson, and ha- it has not been published yet. I, I looked for sure. it; it hasn't been published yet. But she got so much feedback that yesterday, um, or two days ago, I apologize. <laughs> what day is it? But But on February 15th, she got so many tweets in response to her initial tweet saying she was interviewing Ryan Johnson that she released information saying, yes, Ryan's Star Wars trilogy is still on. There's no dates or timelines because he has other projects going on, but it is happening. That is all I know about it. So folks were obviously curious. They wanted to know. Uh, So really, the news is that there is no news, but Ryan Johnson is still planning on doing a Star Wars trilogy in the near future. Um, And that's my that's my piece of news. And that also means that like that's Yeah, that's absolutely like like straight fire. Like, I'm excited about that. It also means that Disney's open to more movies as well from him. Like, you can't just announce that piece of information without like getting approval from the studio that owns (laughs) the IP on it. So. I think it's really, really, really interesting that they're making that type of move. Mm -hmm. So the question is, and we can maybe speculate a little bit if, and this is my question to the both of you, if he gets more movies, does he get them as sort of in-betweeners of the the Skywalker saga? Or do you think he gets something brand spanking new? 
he gets something brand spanking new. I, I agree with he Marcus. Gets, he gets the High Republic. I think that that's the next thing that's that in the works. Cool. Um, I mean, just look at the slate that Disney has already put out earlier. Sure. We haven't heard anything about the High Republic yet, ex- outside of like the books that came out and, and everything. But I think you have all these kind of movies, except the one that people are really asking for. And that's the one I think, at least as a newer Star Wars fan, one of the things that I'm a, as a current fan is asking for is the High Republic and show me the Jedis in their prime. For sure. And I think he could maybe he could do something with that. I'm also yep. speaking objectively to the news because I don't know if I'm, I'm I'm not excited. I'm not disappointed. Sure. I do know that he got a lot of backlash. Yeah. Um, and that's partially why he was trending because he did originally get some backlash for the for his direction in Star Wars, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. For sure. Oh, yeah, there were a lot of folks that disagreed with how how The Last Jedi went. Um, <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. I think it's a good way to put it. And I think something hilarious to me is it might be the Twitter algorithm, but I swear it's like every three weeks I go to the trending page and it's like the last Jedi is trending or Ryan Johnson is trending. (laughs) And like, I don't understand it. It's just like people keep talking about this movie two, three years later, good and bad. Um, And it is just, it is just wild to me. And I, I agree with you, Marcus, to bounce off what you're saying. I think one of the reasons that they did high Republic the way it is, is because it's, it's a, originally not explored area of star wars we don't know a lot before episode one there's like two video games kind of but those aren't really canon Mm -hmm. um and so i honestly think that would be a natural fit i could also see ryan johnson just doing something in a distant corner of the star wars galaxy (laughs) just wanting to make his own thing Mm -hmm. away from the skywalker saga for sure um and i feel like a lot of people that would resonate with a lot of people um yeah and I could see it in tandem with like a Rogue Squadron trilogy. This That's is yeah. wishful thinking. That is not confirmed. But obviously, I think if Rogue Squadron, the Patty Jenkins film does well, I think you could see it alternating every year mm. um, and having it be like, here's oh, <laughs> here's the Starfighter yeah. one. And then next year, everyone's like, oh, this is going to be the lightsaber one. And okay. then, you know, going yeah. back and yeah. forth. Um, this is me wishful huh. thinking a little bit. But I think that's the formula I could see them going towards. OK, for sure. I like that, Brian. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Ryan Johnson was the one who directed Knives Out, correct? Like, he was responsible for Knives Out. That's what I thought. So, I think based on how Knives Out was, I could see, if I'm speculating and playing that game, I could see them doing a the Sith are rising in the High Republic portion, and it's a mystery. Oh, that would be amazing. Jedi Jedi detectives. Right. Just Jedi criminal investigators like oh, i yeah. can see them going that route with it and it could be really interesting to see how that all shakes out because he can tell and build that suspense mm. like he did with knives out mm-hmm. um but he can make it really really fun so i could see that playing to his strengths on that end but i agree with I like the both of you i like I that too i mean the, the man Republic. can do suspense like he did knives sure. out he he did uh, the breaking bad episode ozymandas like yep. it, i mean the mm. guy i mean he's done looper brick i mean the guy knows suspense sure. like looper i bet good. he could do that yeah Absolutely, for sure doug i have yeah. one more question yes Not long. let's do it doesn't have to be low it can be a yes or no <laughs> do we believe disney's done touching the skywalker saga your money Man, maker, I don't know. your bread and butter, your money maker. Do we believe that Disney is done with the Skywalker name and saga and storyline? Because they put it the way that they ended it, they put that to bed, right? Mm, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, I mean, you you have Ray, 
who is Skywalker the new, but are we done with that? I want to say they're not done with it. And the reason why I want to say they're not done with it is because one of the goods and the bads of Disney is the bad is they're a corporate machine. And at some point in time, they're going to want to play that out for a new audience because that's, I mean, to be honest, I love the force awakens and the Skywalker saga, but that was very much kind of their tactic with it of like, like what's all of these parents are who watched star Wars and grew up watching the first six. Now we have something that they can show and enjoy with their children or that they can revisit and have a deeper appreciation for. What if we brought that back Um, again, because it's, Hey, like you were 30 when we kind of put the cap on Ray. Now you're 50 and your kids are older and you can enjoy it. Like I could say that's from the corporate mindset of why I think they're not done with it. I do wonder though, what story else could be told? Like I have, yeah. I'm kind of conflicted because yeah. there's this part of me that's like, well, what else is there really left to say? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I also know how Disney works and they'll get some really creative people <laughs> in there and some creative writers in there who will say, mm, what if we did this? And they'll be like, sure. Great. Awesome. Well, and I, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head, Doug. I think it's a long-term, like it, yeah. it's a long-term goal. I don't think we're going to be touching it anytime soon. They no. want to, they want to explore everything new. And I think with the success of Mandalorian, they see like, oh, you don't need, you don't necessarily need all this mystical stuff to make it successful. Right. Um, and everybody loves Mandalorian. Like, yeah, it's a, I shouldn't say that, but it's a very universally re- well-regarded show. And true. I mean, that's how we got three or four other shows like sure. it. So I think yeah. they're going to explore that, but I agree, Doug, I feel like in 10, 20 years, yep. we're going to get some trailer and it's going to be like some, somebody <laughs> yep. whispering the name Skywalker and we're all going to be super yep. amped about it, which is totally fine. Yeah. My big blasphemous statement and, and is that I think, I think eventually it leads to them remaking the original trilogy, yeah. which I, I don't man i just i you see that be- happening at some point because disney yeah. will want like a uniformity to it or they'll remake all nine movies or something like that oh, i'm geez. getting super yeah. speculative but the 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 short answer to your question is dangerous territory is That's no they are not territory. done yeah. with the skywalker saga yeah. but it, we're not going to see it in this decade I also think it makes sense really quick and then marcus feel free to jump in i also i'm also really quick i think it's the formula for star Wars has kind of been future, go back, future, go back. So I could see them saying we did these three that were sort of, you know, advancing the plot line a little bit. Now we're going to go back to give you context for the things that are taking place. Now. I, I think that there's some, you know, other things in there that they could figure out. I mean, I would love to see, they could say like, Hey, we're not done with the Skywalker saga because we're going to have it be, how did Palpatine get to where he was prior to? <laughs> oh, like, totally. Uh, under his tutelage of, you know, Dark Plagueis or whoever it was at that particular Just time. Like they bring... could cover all that type of oh stuff. Oh my gosh. Just bring back the black man with the purple lightsaber. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. I, all leads I to have... Marcus plug in Mace Windu. That's... And I love I it. Have... Once. You have a sickness. I have the medicine and it's a black man with a purple lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> That's as simple as that. You're going to make, you have to appreciate Samuel while he's here. That's you true. Know what I mean? like we he's live old. in these real, he is old, you know what I mean? And he still seems to be in this kind of prime where he can still, you know, thank God he's healthy, walking and talking yeah. on his own. He's not looking bad. So he yeah. can wield the lightsaber and be scarred up and put some prosthetics on him. He can play Nick Fury. 
Right. He can play a badass Jedi. That's very oh, true. Oh, yeah, totally. Could, you know? And he's still yeah. pretty mobile, too. Like, he still moves yeah. around just fine. He's not like... Yeah. He's not doing his own stunts. Not like but, Harrison yeah. Ford, where you're like, oh, man, if he falls, is he going to break? Like, you know, he can still... I mean, you know, that's how, I mean, he's he wasn't as old as... He's not as old as Harrison Ford, but, like, he's getting up there. And, yeah. man... Harrison Ford broke his leg and that messed up Force Awakens for quite a while. So for I get sure. it. I yep. get it. Cool. Um, Doug, Doug, it's actually your turn. What news do you have? Uh, here's yeah, what I what have. What would you like to so, share, Doug? Kind of under that same Star Wars guys, but in a, a different area. Um, so there were some rumors spinning around about a new HBO series, Max series that could be coming, um, coming from J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Studios, um, and that is revamping <coughs> Constantine and making it an HBO Max series. Now, I know for most of us that doesn't sound particularly special or particularly exciting. The one difference is they are looking for a person of color to lead and to play Constantine in this new series. Um, and the name that's being kicked around is sort of like a mold for this particular type actor that they're looking for um, is Riz Ahmed. I hope that I'm saying that correctly, but Riz Ahmed from Rogue One and from mm -hmm. Venom and from... Um, Oh, I a plethora of other things. A lot of other things. So, um, so Riz, I, one, I love his like look of how he could play Constantine. Like, I think yeah. he's definitely got that look down. But I just think this is really cool that they are trying to put a different spin on a on a on a character that there are a lot of people who like. Um, but yeah, that's really. I mean, it's not anything super exciting because it's pre predominantly speculative about who it could be and who would be playing it. But um, that's what I got. And that's my news. So thoughts from the two of you on that particular rumor and that particular news. JJ Abrams is, uh, he's very interesting in his um, involvement in DC. I don't know sure. how, how often y'all read up on mm -hmm. that, but there were rumors that he was supposed to do a Superman movie. There were rumors yeah. he was doing the dark. I think this is still true, which is the Constantine is a part of that, but the justice league dark series. Oh, sure. But he was supposed yeah. to be developing something like that. And if you've ever seen a J.J. Abrams film, Cloverfield, Star Trek, um, yep. the old TV show Fringe, you know he's very capable yeah. of going there. Um, but his he also wrote a Spider-Man. Um, yeah. Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, his 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 involvement in it is very interesting. And I think that he is much like a Zack Snyder, just a real comic book fan, just trying to see things come to light. Yeah. And so yep. I'm interested to see what he can do. Constantine is a great start. And then maybe he can you know, go further. I'd like to see a Matt Reeves and JJ Abrams, Superman and, and Matt Reeves, Batman kind of cool. crossing on the scene and seeing how realistic they can be and yeah, how that would really be. Cool. Yeah. I'm also going to give everybody a real quick hot take. The, the Constantine with Keanu Reeves. I don't hate it. I actually oh, really enjoy that movie. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Oh, you really enjoy it. I ain't going to go that damn far, but it was yeah. no, I, I mean, it's a good, it is a good Sunday afternoon FX film. I'm oh, just going to put sure. that out there. For sure. Like it, it holds up, it entertains you, but I feel I, like it's been a while since I've watched that movie. And I just, it always felt like it was, it was just like, y'all wanted demons, but then that was like, as far as you got, like that was as far as you all got with the plot. And it was just like demons and he's got magic. And it's like, Okay. And what's wild to me is like you look at Legends of Tomorrow and they've yeah. really fleshed out Constantine uh, yeah. through a lot of his yeah. um, like side stories. And some of the stories are actually he's front and center with some of those. And the mm -hmm. Arrowverse is probably what I should expand that to is the Arrowverse. Um, and Arrow so I think my main point here, though, is that I think that sounds like an excellent idea. And yeah. I would love to see that executed because we've seen 
we've seen that version of Constantine. I think yep. it is a it is a competent, good version of Constantine, but I think it is time to to <laughs> we're good. We've seen the white version of Constantine. If Riz Ahmed really is in orbit of this, I would love to see his take on it. If anyone's oh, yeah. seen The Sound of Metal, obviously he was in Rogue That's One, it. the OA. Yep. I mean, he has done so many things that I absolutely bet he could yeah. bring something new to this. Um, and also, I just think from a representation standpoint, I think it would be something great. And HBO Max could give it that gritty kind of no oh, rating sure. type um, vibe to it, where I think it could work out really well. Especially if it's like a limited series or something like that, and they try to mirror something um, that Disney Plus is doing with those Marvel heroes um, and shows. So, yeah, that yeah. sounds awesome. Here's yeah. my hot take. Oh, real quick. Oh, hot takes. Don't make him, don't make the people, not just for this in general, don't make it a POC if it does not justify the story. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, you have. There's so much context that has to be taken once you turn a character. That's true. Lead into a person of color, if you cannot handle that now and into the future of this character, like Brian just said, they really do expound on Constantine in that film so much so that he had a show they canceled it. They bought him back to yeah. just yeah. kind of bounce around in that universe, right? Right. Um, but you have to have a plan. You know, you can't just do it just to do it for do it's sake. Um, oh, and you yeah. just have to be careful with that moving forward, which I'm assuming J.J. Abrams will have a plan as to why he wants a person of color. But and if it's for representation, I appreciate it. But also, let's now get into representation for representation sake or representation with um, some type of uh, substance with right. some type of real story and substance that goes into it. So that that that's what I'll say for that. You don't yeah. want the person of color just for the poster. You want them yeah. for their identity and the history and the complexity that mm -hmm. that identity brings along with it. And I think hire, that that's hire a very me good because point. I do the job and not fill the quota. That's right. The, exactly. That's yep. yep. For sure. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, that's what we got for news this week. If you are curious on other news things, follow us on Instagram. I'll just shout out to Marcus. Marcus does a great job of like posting things in our, yes. our Snapchat, our Instagram, um, stories about stuff. So just follow us over there because, um, we try to give you some of the breaking information as it happens. Thank so, but gentlemen, we have a movie to get to, and I have just one brief, caveat that i just want to get out there um <clears throat> this is a good movie but i think that there's some conversation about this particular movie um that isn't necessarily about the quality of the film but about the issues that the film raises and the some of the statements that it makes um and and those are maybe this week that we are going to spend a little bit more time dissecting as to whether or not there's good bad and ugly or good bad and what would we do differently to cover so i just want to kind of put that there that if you are looking for us to like pick this apart and to try and find, you know, that nitpicky thing that makes it not a good movie. You should maybe skip this one. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the news segment because I think we, we've got some things to talk about, but that being said, I'm still going to give you my fast facts of this particular film. Um, and here we go. So the movie we watched this week was Judas and the black Messiah. It stars Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton, Lakeith Stanfield as Bill O'Neill, um, Jesse Plemons as Roy, 
Dominique Fishback as Deb Johnson. It was directed by Shaka King. Um, it also was produced by Ryan Coogler and his wife of sort of a Black Panther esteem. The other interesting thing is Kenny and Keith Lucas, who are two comedians, were involved in writing the story, which was kind of an interesting thing that I figured out uh, today. Um, the budget for this particular movie was $26 million, and to mm. date, it has made $2.6 million. Um, and mm. that's kind of the fast facts. Um, gentlemen, we are going to forego the usual barbershop summary just because we're going to try and give, um, be respectful of the, of sort of the subject matter that we're going to be talking about, but I think it's important to summarize it. Um, would either one of you like to take a crack at summarizing this particular movie? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, here's what happens. This is the story of the Black Panther Party in, in, in Illinois. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, um, it, and it's not it's it's the story of Fred Hampton, but it does not surround Fred Hampton. Yep. Um, it talks about the things that he's done and it talks about the story that everybody's familiar with that Fred Hampton was this activist with this powerful voice and ability to connect people and be a bridge amongst people and really just rally people together for the sake of of a revolution of being of people just being mistreated and it wasn't just black people it was people of all color races creeds and and really he just wanted to just do right by the people they said he was squeaky clean this guy who did this he was this activist who was just able to bring people together it it focuses on the story of william o'neill and was it, yeah william yep, yep. also known as they call him bill in the movie yep. um and so it focuses on bill being this judas to what um, J. Edgar Hoover considered Fred Hampton to be this black messiah. Yep. Um, and, and it's about this prevention of allowing this quote unquote black messiah to rise um, and inspire people uh, the way that the comparison is the way that Jesus did. And so yep. in order to do that, they had to put a Judas amongst the ranks, which is William O'Neill. It follows the story of, of William O'Neill and why he did the things he did and what did that look like? And, and, and in turn, the consequences that followed of his actions, of what it looks like to be a person of the people and what it looks like to be a person that's trying to survive for themselves. Yep, it's for two sure. different spectrums, but it's a movie that just has so many layers to it. You know what I yep. mean? And, and so that's essentially the kind of the cover of this movie. Yep. Yep. And I think for the historical context, for those of you who maybe are not very well up on your you know, 1960s civil rights movement level history. Yeah. The Black Panther Party was a um, a civil rights movement that came about um, shortly after the death of Martin Luther King Jr. and of Malcolm X. Um, and really, it was like you it was it was sort of a response to that level of violence. And it was that response to, you know, your these prominent black leaders who were trying to do things peacefully um, or, or who had maybe had that especially in the case of Martin Luther King Jr., a, I don't want to say a pacifist approach, but I want to say a more, um, you know, nonviolent, a nonviolent, that's a good, thank you, a nonviolent approach. Yeah. Um, this was the response. And um, I think the important thing to note is that a lot of times we saw people on the West Coast being the face of the Black Panther Party and what they stood for as far as it was termed. Um, and so you saw a lot of people from L.A. and from California being a very much more radical um, than maybe this group was. But I think as far as lasting impact, the Chicago Black Panther Party probably had some more direct um, impact on the on the country afterward. Um, 
because what I didn't know, and I found this out by watching some of the bonus content that the free meal program that they started there grew and extended across the entire country. And now there's free meal programs that people experienced in the nineties and the two thousands in New York and New Jersey that you could trace back to, we took it to that community and, and, and repeated it. So, um, yeah, that's sort of the historical, historical sort of context on it. Yeah. Gentlemen, what, what, what are some things maybe that after having watched this movie, like what's jumping out at you as far as like, what are some lasting issues or maybe what are you some things that are, that this movie left you with um, that we should get into? Hmm. Who would like to start? And I can, if nobody else would like to. I can jump in. If Go ahead, Brian, please do that. Uh, for me, I was simply not prepared for the quality and the intensity of this movie. And I okay. mean that in a very good way. There is no unused minute of this movie. Every single second and every single minute of this movie is used to educate, inform, and set the tone of what is to come next. And I think one of the things that just immediately pulled me in was, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, it makes it very clear that basically getting the facts straight about the Black Panther party, because for mm -hmm. a lot of folks and myself included, my high school education, even my college education did not include nope. any mention of the Black Panther party. It mm -hmm. all came after that and doing my own research and understanding it within the context of like how I'm a leadership educator. So that's how my lens is coming to this, which is for sure which is just fascinating to me because this was all happening as part of the civil rights movement. And I think one thing I'll just add here and then I'll, I'll hand it over to somebody else is that um, having this take place in Chicago, I know a little bit more Chicago history living here for a little bit. And 1968, there were massive riots um, yep. for the Democratic National Committee mm -hmm. uh, convention that was held here. And it was it was not good. Um, yeah. The trial of the Chicago seven, uh, what that movie is based on is based on those riots. Yep. And so it's quite, it, it is quite the experience to see that released and then have this movie released. I should back that up to have a movie based on that released, like in October, then have this following it and really hitting that time period hard is just, it's a good way to start learning about that era. Um, I also want to say that it is true. Chicago is one of the most segregated cities in the entire nation, even to this day. And yep. I feel like that's an important point to make because I know a lot of people point to Chicago as like, oh, look at Chicago and they're doing all this. Or a lot of people point to it sometimes as this like <laughs> democratic bastion and this, yep. this kind of like with a halcyon effect of like, oh, everything's great there and it's more diverse. And it's like, well, kind of, there's a nuance. Um, if you go below this street, it's going to be far more black. And if you go north, it's going to be far more wealthy. Why is that? And discussing right. that is sometimes really hard for the people in Chicago, um, admittedly. And I think it's important to say that. And it leads directly into the conditions that our, even in the 60s, that Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party are facing. So yep. I guess that's what I wanted to start with. That's 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 great. And I think uh, just to add another piece to that before and I, and I want to turn it over to Marcus, the other piece is, is that uh, Brian is absolutely accurate. Uh, even the assembly of the interstate system that feeds into the city um, was used as barrier systems to help kind of structure everybody else out and help them kind of everybody be given their place, not necessarily 
enjoying or taking or owning their place, but basically the city of Chicago saying, no, 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 this is where you, you go now. And so, um, yeah, Marcus thoughts mm. for you, from you. Uh, okay. So I, I, I'll start off with, I like to give people kind of insight to my process of watching movies a little bit sure. Um, as a, and how, how it reflects my immediate identity and thought process. Cause sometimes that could be funny. We, I mean, we know that if you listen to this podcast, you kind of know <laughs> yeah. this, it could go either direction. Sometimes we could do the really serious stuff or we could do the really, really funny stuff. And, and it's kind of like, I don't want to watch this movie cause I know it's going to suck. Or right. it's like, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. but it's, um, I hit the group chat and I said that I was, I have to prep myself to watch this movie. Sure. Um, and, and what that means is there is this movie on Netflix when they see us that came out. I have not seen it yep. still. I have not watched it because sure. I keep telling myself I have to be in the right state of mind in order to watch that because of the emotions that come with it. Now, this is obviously me as a black man and mm-hmm. additional context in Black History Month, additional context in South Dakota, additional context in PWI, that, that it should let you know how layers and identities work and intersectionality and all of this other stuff like that. But that's a for different sure. topic for a different day. Um, watching it, I, I didn't know what to expect from watching this movie, to be honest with you. I knew sure. it was going to be good because of the cast. Yeah. Um, I knew the immediate story of Fred Hampton. And originally I learned about Fred. I knew about the Black Panther Party. I learned about Fred Hampton specifically from listening to Jay-Z verses. Jay-Z has a verse said um, oh. his birthday is the same day that Fred Hampton died. So he has a bar that says I was born on the same, I was born on the day Fred Hampton died. Real niggas is real niggas just multiply. And it's, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a double entendre. Oh, Jay-Z sure. and, you know, just, it's a, it's a Jay-Z thing. Um, and so I didn't listen to the album that came soundtrack that came out for this project until after I watched the movie, okay. I didn't, I didn't look up anything about it. So I went right into it, started watching it, and it, like Brian said, it does not waste any time. No, uh, it, it it doesn't waste any time, and it gets right to it, and it give and it tries its best. What this movie is is trying to give you its best perspective to show you how what William O'Neill did and why he did what he did. Yeah, and also how he did what he did, and how he interacted with mm-hmm. Officer Mitchell. I think was his name, Officer mm-hmm. Mitchell in the film and how officer Mitchell was able to get information out of him because the um, J Edgar Hoover um, was, was, was adamant about not being able to let a, a, a piece of hope come from these neighborhoods because they know how powerful people can be when they rally together. Okay. So that's what it is. So I'm watching this movie um, and it's so many layers to it for me. I don't even know where to start because we're not doing a traditional good, bad. No, we're not. It's it's like, where do you even start? And this is real time trying to figure this shit out. You know what I mean? (laughs) You're listening, trying to figure it out. And we're trying to figure it out, too. And I think that's the best part about it is we'll we'll get to where we need to be. We'll figure it out. So here's here. Exactly. So here's where I started. So we don't take too long. Here's where I started. There's so many fucking layers to this movie (laughs) for me. And it was it's part inspirational, part heartbreak. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. The inspirational part is watching Fred Hampton do the things that even I aspire to do at my current university. Sure. Okay. It's how he rallies the people, regardless of it wasn't just black folk. According Mm-mm. to according to the movie, right? If we're going off of this, oh, right. it was not just black people. It was what was it Puerto Ricans? Puerto Ricans. It, it Puerto was, Ricans. It was, the rainbow. The rainbow coalition that yeah. they talk about in this movie. That is a historical thing. Yeah. 
that happened and it is taught it like that is taught as a community building thing in a lot of different classrooms in a lot of different contexts yeah yep so you think about that and you think about him feeding the the free breakfast program okay the free breakfast program for the kids and you think about all the stuff that they're doing in the community and and the one thing the first thing that stuck out to my head i'll stick with the first the first thing that stuck out my head fred hampton was 21 years old Yep. when he died he was yeah. 21 years old when he died yeah 21 i told this to my mom the other day i said i'm thinking back on the things that i was doing when i was 21 mm-hmm. and it kind of makes you everybody has their own path and journey everybody's going to do it you don't need to frame yourself to be like anybody you know what i mean to, right. to be like right. anybody but when i think about it i'm like man i'm doing stuff in my current age right now that is like man he was doing this at 21 and gathering people at 21 and speaking to full churches at this young age and then having to die or sorry, be assassinated at this young age. Yeah. That's nuts to me. It's, it's, it's unfathomable. That's a child. That's somebody who just got their license in certain cities and certain States. That's somebody who just was able to drink. That's somebody who, how many 21 how many 21st birthdays have we celebrated with people and you're like oh now you're really just getting started and to imagine that's where his life ended yeah that was point one now i'll let somebody else talk so i can gather my thoughts on parts the rest of the part so what did y'all what did y'all think what's up everybody we need to take a moment to talk about this week's sponsor have you heard about anchor you haven't Let me tell you, it is the easiest way to record a podcast. What makes it so easy? Well, first off, it's free. So right out of the gate, that's a plus. Second, it's got great tools to make creation and editing from your phone or computer super, super smooth and super, super fun. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And finally, it's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you want to make the jump and start your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, back to our show. So, so here's so here's so here's a piece that jumped out for me is I think what I noticed in addition to what y'all noticed, what I noticed right off the jump is well, Keith Stanfield is one hell of a fucking actor. I mean, like a powerhouse. I, 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 I yeah. don't know how you are able to convey such depth and such complexity to a character who in any other movie would be painted as simply the villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, you know what I mean? Like in any other, in any other biopic about Fred Hampton, the person who plays Bill O'Neill is going to get five, 15, maybe 20 minutes worth of airtime. Yep. And yet this movie follows him and tells a very powerful story from his perspective. And I just, I, I mean, I, I, that's what jumps out to me. And that's what I really struggled with. I think the most, I think some of the other stuff being someone who studied history, you know, the stuff of, you know, um, the FBI trying to protect the American way. I was like, none of that shit at 1968 surprises me because I've studied it for such a long time of like, you know what I mean? Like it's a disappointment that it's like, that's that, that none of that 
was super, super shocking because I was like, well, yep, that that happened. Yeah. Um, so what what I what shocked me is and what I what really stuck with me is just this character of William O'Neill and just kind of the situation he's in, because on the one hand, he's a snitch and he's a rat and he's right. actively subjugating the efforts to build a truly inclusive and better community. I, I don't know. I both, I both loathed him and felt sorry for him all at the same time. And I think that that is a immense credit to Lakeith's acting it, for and him to be able to do that. I'm happy to jump in here uh, real quick because down. I know I was so excited. I got tangled here. <laughs> I think the one thing that I want to point out here, though, is that I think the movie does a really good job just telling the viewer being basically saying that you got to infer a lot of stuff. We're not going to hold your hand and you need to figure yeah. this stuff out because uh, Fred Hampton says in the first 15 minutes talking about how capitalism is a way to extort and get mm -hmm. people to do what you want. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to say 10 minutes later, you're meeting with uh, huh? he's meeting with this agent, this FBI agent. And how is he extorting him? He's saying he's going to send him to jail. He's saying it's this it's this money um, that uh -huh. he's going to pay him and you don't go to jail. And that's how they the system like this very white supremacist system retains controls by controlling those means of who's getting money, how people can earn that money and like using jail time basically as a bargaining chip. And I thought that was a really good juxtaposition because you, this movie made you, to me, uh, it, it was conveying those feelings of sympathy and empathy for William O'Neill, who, mm -hmm. who who at the end of the movie, you don't feel that. At least no. I didn't. No, um, I, I Like you don't, but like at that point in the movie, you're like, oh, he's in a tight spot. And for a movie yeah. to make you feel that way and then get to the end of it having, for me, a lot of anger, um, yeah. that's an accomplishment of, of filmmaking to me, that you could make yes. me identify with this character, this person, and have them understand what rut they are in and then go completely 180 with what two hours of, of runtime here? Yeah. That's that's mm, yep. that's like not that much in the minutes, whole scheme of things. Yeah. And so I just think that's an important point to to point out that the system used William O'Neill to that exact advantage that Fred mm -hmm. Hampton is talking about. Yep. I just, for me, and, and here's where it's a story. It's a tale of, it's a tale of two cities, two opposite coin, two sides of the coin, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's one is a story of survival and one is a story of really just genuine love for the people. Mm -hmm. And and it's mm -hmm. and I saw this quote. It was like love looks so differently when it's taught by a person who's trying to survive and a person who is just trying to yep. genuinely love, right? And so I do, you know, I don't feel bad for him, but I do believe that William O'Neill had these moments where he's listening, he's listening in on these things, and it's hard for you to get in there and not believe the things that the Black Panther Party was was you know that was teaching and and all of right. these things. And I think if he wasn't under those pressures, would he have? you know, been down for the cause? Absolutely. I think so. But, you know, that never seemed like his original intention. He just seemed like a guy who was just trying to make it. He was just trying to trying find to a way it. to survive. He was yeah. just trying to find this way to survive. And that's not an excuse at all. No, this you see. And this movie, what this, what this movie does well for me, one of the things is um, 
it it finds the balance in giving you enough Fred Hampton without making it a Fred Hampton movie directly and give you enough of William O'Neill without making it a complete William. It showed you how to, why you should love Fred Hampton and all the things that he was doing. And it gave you this feeling of, well, why would you do that to this person if they are just trying to, you know what I mean? Do everything that they can. And then it gives you enough of William O'Neill where you see this evolution of this guy who's just cowardice, this guy who is kind of backing down from the police. And then slowly he builds as he's eating in the restaurants, he's getting more confident. He's snapping his fingers at people. He's getting very comfortable. There was Uh a quote, that he looked to Agent Mitchell as a role model because he said there weren't many role models. And then he put Agent Mitchell in this category of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali, I do believe. I think that was the other person. He put, he put for him, he put Agent Mitchell as he said, he saw him as a role model. And I did watch the documentary afterwards and he and that was not just a pulled quote as just for bullshit and just for soundbite sakes. Like that was what he said. And so- it's watching these two characters interact. And it, it's those moments that it pisses you off the most to see this guy, I'm gonna go to the rooftop because I know that they're gonna be doing this on the rooftop. And, oh, I'm gonna go here because da 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 And then him trying to turn and flip it and like, there's a rat in here and blah, 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 blah. And those moments yep. are so frustrating because I know how this movie ends. And that was what was yeah. fucking with me the whole yeah. time. Yeah. I know the history of Fred Hampton and I know how this movie ends and to see the essential piece to how that happened be somebody who looks like me is the most fucked up part about this movie. And that brings me to my second point. There is so much more than just the, might be a hot take more than just the (laughs) black and white problems that we see today. A lot of it seems to be black versus white is just direct differences, but there's also, it says a lot and it kind of hints to, the internal divisions that we had when they went to go talk to the crowns the crowns did not accept them with open arms Uh -uh. it asked them but first of all motherfucker this our territory yeah this is our and we're taught obviously we're taught this through the system to be territorial because to obviously we're not given much we're not given much so we're then forced to be territorial over what it is that we have so then they go and they talk and they're trying to go in there and and uh, from the movie it seemed like the uh I don't know what you call them. They call themselves white trash, but I don't know what you call that part of what is that? Are you talking about the proud? The conf- I think, hang on. Let me get the right name here. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't know what it, you yeah, mean in the, Brian, in the place with the Confederate flag behind yeah, him, in like the that place part, portion yeah. of the movie. I, yeah. I don't know if they ever had a name in there, but the young Patriots organization is a real organization and was a historic, it, it was active from 68 until 73. Young. Thank you, Brian. Brian's yeah. always going to hold us down. On the oh, shucks. Brian. Um, so, um, the young, that's not for the Young Patriots organization. That that's for Brian. That is Brian. only for Brian. Um, that's only for Brian. <laughs> Sons of you and if you claim that. it, I'm going to beat your ass. Um, so, um, you know, he goes in and it seemed like they were more, a little bit more willing to hear them out than the crowns were. You see what I'm saying? At least based yeah. on yeah. the movie. Now, I don't know if this is, if that's how it went in real life. So this showed me the, it, it, what made me, what pissed me off was the internal frustration. It's yeah. like us versus us. And Doug, I tell you, I say this all around you all the time. All kinfolk ain't skinfolk. Yeah. Because we've had conversations yeah. about people that look like me that ain't really for me or want right. to see me be successful. And then when I was down bad or not down bad, when I was going through it and questioning everything, it was my white counterparts that were the ones that were trying to understand as best as they could. <laughs> 
which is fucked up, but that also goes into not much representation being in the place that I am. And, you know, if I was somewhere else, I would be getting that. If my family was here, I'd be getting that. So there's a lot of context to it. So please don't get me fucked up because you call me a coon, I'm gonna beat your ass because you don't know who the fuck I am. So, because <laughs> you know how people, you know how people can get, they, they make it feel like if you defend yeah. good people in general, and then those good people happen to be white, then you are just defending the white people. I'm yeah. talking about, I've had issues where, there's a lot of internal struggles, light skin versus dark skin. This is my territory. This is my territory. Blood, scrapes, gang, all this other stuff going on. Right. right. Yeah. And that was one of the things that really agitated me because then it reflected to my direct work. As Brian was saying, he talks about the leadership role. My direct work was like, how can we get the fight under people? How can we put some fire under their ass to get people to come together? But it seemed like every time we tried to make the attempt, there's a blockage there from our yeah. own trauma. It's trauma versus trauma is right. essentially what it feels like. Yeah. My my trauma, my past trauma, your trauma, you don't trust nobody. You don't trust nobody, everybody hurting you. And so we just hit near hit the brick wall. Right. That's kind of what it felt like while watching this movie. Yeah. I, I knew I I mean, and and I don't I'm not gonna air anybody's dirty laundry on on this podcast, but knowing where you were at last week, I knew this movie was gonna fuck you up. Like yeah. I, I like I yeah. knew just where your brain space was at. Like I, like I, I knew the minute I watched this, I was like, uh oh. Like, like it was, a, it was, and Brian, and Brian doesn't know, but it was a fucked up week. You yeah, know what I mean? Like I tried to keep it out of the group chat, but it was a, it was a fucked, it was one, of, it was a fucked up week, and I have a lot of them since my family left. That you know, when you don't see a lot of people that look like you. And then you see the state is doing the things that the state is doing, and the governor sure. is doing the thing that the governor is, and they saying things. You know, movies like this, it puts me into a fight or flight. And it's yeah. like, what the what the fuck? What do I need to burn down for people to get the fucking message? You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. And, and yeah, Doug is absolutely right. Yeah. Doug, Doug's right. Yeah. I'm going to stop now. I'm going to think about the yeah. next point. So I want to actually kind of so I didn't get a chance to watch the documentary because I finished this movie today um, because just given my schedule, I had to split it up over three days, over two days. Um, so what I want to bring up is I did have a chance though, to, um, watch one of the bonus features that was available via HBO max. And it was an interview with Lil Rel Howry and the Kenny and Keith Lucas, um, Stanfield. And so if you, if you have not watched that, I encourage you to check it out. Um, because it's important. Like, I think it's, it's really, really very important to kind of look at because they really dive into how did Lakeith bring this complexity to this particular character. And, and what we come to find out is Kenny and Keith Lucas, when they were writing the story for this movie, they only envisioned Lakeith Stanfield in that role. They said there's wow. nobody else to play him. Like he is the only one that can play him. But what I think is interesting, and they said this here, and I'm just kind of curious about the two of you and your take on it, is they said something that I thought was interesting, which is we wanted to tell this story of Bill O'Neill, of William O'Neill, because we believe that in the world there are more Bill O'Neills than there are Fred Hamptons. Like we believe that given the choices that people make when the chips are on the table, more people will probably act like William O'Neill than they will like Fred Hampton. Here's and they have, say. and even Lakeith said, yeah, when the chips are on the table, like, what are you going to do? And he's like, yeah, people might call you a bitch, but like, if you, w what are your choices in that moment? Like, I say. thought that was very interesting. I would agree. I would. It's good to be squeaky clean and it's good to be somebody's hero when there's nothing on the line. But if it boiled down to it where your survival was on, where your 
means of living, whatever it is, is on the line, would you make the same decisions and would that you critique some watching somebody else do? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I can't, and, and nobody knows what anybody is. You don't know what you're capable of until you're put into a situation. Yeah. So it's, you, you can't really, ju- you're ma- I'm, you, I'm mad as fuck at William O'Neill because of the decisions he made that got this young man killed. Yeah. But also, if I'm speaking objectively, can I judge him? Because if I was in the same situation, would I take the five years? I don't know these. I don't know the Black Panther Party. When I when I got caught, I don't know anything about them. I'm yeah. just going in to go do this thing. And and the deeper I get into it, the heavier the consequences on the back end. But yeah. I agree. I do think that there are more people that would rather survive than make the sacrifice. And I think that leads into a really good point of the movie. I agree. I yeah. agree with that sentiment because yeah. I think one of the things that I have attempted to deprogram as a white dude who came from a very white area growing up is that if you're uncomfortable, you're not always taught the tools and skills necessary to handle that uncomfortability. And I'm just talking about like within my identity. And so there's always these stories of just like these these heroes and how are you how are you standing there and standing for what's right? And I give that context because I think for, for myself, I didn't understand what that looked like until I started doing the work um, in college and um, working with other community organizations of like, what does this actually look like? What is changing my community actually look like? And it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I give that preface because for uncomfortability, a lot of people respond to it in a lot of different ways. And I think that one of the ways this movie does this is by using J. Edgar, Martin Sheen, mm-hmm. with that conversation with Officer Mitchell. Right. And basically, right. he, to me, J. Edgar is so scared of change, of losing power, whether it's losing power, scared of change, things just don't appear the same as they used to like they're just not even familiar like even that little bit he immediately goes into this us or them mentality immediately to a destructive behavior that if you don't understand it you must destroy it and i think one of the ways that is so well exemplified in this movie is that all of these people in power feel that too of of Mm -hmm. how do we handle that and a lot of people in power and a lot of people in those situations when it's on the line they're going to go to something that's comfortable they, they would rather feed into that machine rather than stand against it and i think as we're if we're looking at it as a character study of of william o'neill it's you know uh i feel like there's a lot of people that can relate to um you know what i i don't want to rock the boat i just want to get out and i think one of the things that kept popping up for me in this movie was like man what what does this look like if 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 William O'Neill goes up to Fred Hammond and be like, look, man, uh, I'm the double agent. It's me. How can you help me? Like, That's what is that? What is that yeah. alternate reality? And I want to know that because yeah. it, it relates back to are, are, do people have to get put in that situation when they realize that that solidarity is how you get through this stuff? Right. Yeah. And it relates back to that rainbow coalition like what does that look like if if William knew that he could reach out and and just say this is the jam I'm in and I need I need your help and I need your solidarity and 
what does that look like? And so those were just the two things I wanted to relate to that moment into what you were speaking to Doug, because I agree. The vibe is that there's a lot more William O'Neill's who just want to get by than people like Fred Hampton, who, who absolutely shook the system to its core with the black Panther party. And like, I, I think this is, I'll say this piece and then I can, I'll need to gather my thoughts too. But (laughs) when a lot of people hear about the Black Panther Party, they only know about the militant side of Mm -hmm. what we see in like media or like what is just some very broad strokes, I think is the best way to put it. But they, so they had a 10 point program, like, and they, they made a, they basically made this. um, I'm looking here. It was, I think in 1967, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's, it's, I want to make sure that if you check it out, you give it its due, but I mean, they're advocating for very basic things here. They're talking about just basic freedom, full employment. Um, they want, they want basic things that basic humans need and that it, and the fact that it's radical and that Fred Hampton had to do the, like to organize the way he did to get these radical things or things that are seen as radical is just, Whew, it's a lot. For it sure. is a lot. And um, I encourage you to check it out. Like if you are into this yeah. discussion right now, um, it's called the 10 point program and it's what the black Panthers demanded uh, as equality and what their mission loosely, what their mission was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I agree with the sentiment. I think, I think both of you have, have put it quite succinctly and quite perfectly in the, in this idea of, I believe that there are more William O'Neill's out there than there probably are Fred Hamptons. But I think that that's part of, um, this is going to be very clumsy. Um, So uh, I I think that that's why it's important that we be conscious of anti-racist work because it's going to require us to shun that aspect of ourselves. Like it's going to require us to think about what are we willing to give up in order to accomplish a society that is more equitable for all, because remember it's, it's not any one particular group of people or one individual who's racist. And I think that that's almost where I think the movie does a good job of painting it as a systemic thing. The system is broken. That's allowing this to happen. It's not that, J. Edgar Hoover is a racist and he wanted to happen. This is the pressures of maintaining a status quo that allow that level and access to privilege, like, and that access to resources. He didn't want to give those up. He didn't want those to go away. So it requires us to think and challenge that, 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 that urge to be a Will O'Neill. Like it it requires us to like push it back against us and say like, at some point in time, we are going to have to make that hard call. And we are going to have to say, it's not about me, but I have to think about what I'm willing to do in order to do that. Um, And I think that that's an important aspect of it um, as well. It's hard to, it's, it's very hard to, man, this fight is not an easy one. And, and I'll tell you something of what my mom said. I like, well, I'm gonna give you two quotes. One is from the movie and one is what my mom said. My, my, my mom said that that we will never stop talking about equality. We will never stop talking about racism. We will never stop talking about mis- misogyny. We will never stop talking about these things. But as long as we don't stop talking about these things, that's what's most important. For sure. Right. Um, and the other one was war is politics with bloodshed. 
and politics, politics. is war without. without bloodshed. Yep. One of the most profound things, the most simple, it's, it's, it's so simple, yet one of the most profound poetic things that puts everything in this world, and especially in this world that we live in, Doug, you're a history buff, and you know history repeats itself. It's a circle. It's a, it, And so it, we are living in this time right now where that direct quote reflects the times that we live in. Yeah. And, and and it is hard, even as a black man, and I'll speak for myself. If somebody's a snitch and we know he's a snitch because he's we're witnessing it and we're watching a movie, you know, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. You know, you, we know the root. I know the rules. again. I know what I've you know, what I've heard and what I grew up around. Those are the rules. But if I'm a in the Black Panther Party and I see this person that just simply just has potential. I don't know that they're a snitch. I don't know that they're struggling. I don't know Mm -hmm. that they are just trying to get by and that they are in a, they are caught between a rock and a hard place or a cop in a hard place. Yeah. It's like (laughs) black people are very accepting. (laughs) I think a lot of the times people of color, I'll say people of color, but I'll speak more specifically to black people. Sure. Oftentimes we will let people in that will hurt us continuously and we will continue to accept that hurt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just it just feels like I don't know how to put it into into words. Fred Hampton probably would have done anything he could for William O'Neill if he knew he was in that he was in that struggle. It felt at some point William made a deliberate decision not to not to ask for help. Yeah. Because that just wasn't what he cared for. Does that does that make right. sense? Yeah, it does. Oh, it does. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's and it's like it. You're right, Doug. It is going to be some part of shunning, but also J. Fuck J. Edgar Hoover. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. For, oh, absolutely. A He's a no. And I'm not saying that's not what you were saying, but he is a product. The system is fucking broken. How many times do we have to come up here and right. fucking say it? And if <laughs> yeah. we have not seen it, I keep saying I said it the last time. This world has been in it. This world, 2020, 2021, has been in extremes. Yes. We never thought we would see. It's been in extremes. We've seen an excursion at the what is it called? An, in- an insurrection. An, an insurrection. Oh, yes. an insurrection at the beginning. It was of an excursion the- for some. It was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an excursion, insurrection, uh, for some at the. You know what I'm saying? At the beginning, yeah. People said that would never happen. Mm-hmm. We are seeing Texas and all these states freeze over and governors say the most off the wall shit about the people that elected (laughs) them. Yeah. And then being, because this is an extreme that they are not built for. They're still trying to survive by the system that is, and it is flawed and broken and cannot survive. Yeah. You're right. They don't want to give up the resources. They don't want to give up this shit, but yet they still try to survive by a thread by saying we cannot allow this. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. We cannot allow change. We cannot allow. But the problem is change is digital. There's so much shit that is not necessarily rallying people in person. But when you rally people online and you gather their voices and you get all the reach is different and it's kind of unstoppable. Yeah. It's this cancel culture there. You try to cancel cancel culture because part of cancel culture is holding people responsible mm-hmm. for the bullshit. Yeah. Because you wouldn't do it in in person. That thought was all over the place, but I think I said what I wanted to say. I think it's well. I I, I think I, I I think I feel it. I think I dig it based on what yeah. you were saying. Is that, um, but yeah, go ahead, Brian. I talked a lot, so. No, I mean, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Marcus, and I think that 
the what you're talking about the system that that we are in it it benefits a very small group of people i think the current events that you're relating absolutely tie into the things we're talking about with this movie mm-hmm. and i'm i absolutely get that and i think i i think the only piece i would add to that and i've been trying to find a way to to talk about this because it's it's something that i don't know it's something that really stuck with me was that essentially it, it starts at the beginning of the movie with the the badge is scarier than the gun mm-hmm. and yeah it is, mm-hmm. you yeah. take you, you take that at its first glance you're like oh okay like for people that ha- have been involved with this work or that are around these topics like that's a pretty basic thing but I feel like the deeper message of like this symbology, the mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. that represents is mm-hmm. far more powerful than any weapon that you can muster. And Fred yeah. Hampton, in a weird, bizarre way, I feel like we get there from the direction of Shaka King of showing his symbolism and mm-hmm. his unity is what made people afraid, afraid. of changing the system. Yeah. yeah. And yep. that is heartbreaking to me. Um, but it's so emblematic of the work we need to do that he's able to rally these people mm-hmm. who like, yeah, we, we agree that we need all of these things. And again, I, I'm not, I don't want to harp on this, but the things that the Black Panthers were doing and asking for, it was not that extreme. Doug already mentioned this. They had free lunch programs and mm-hmm. arguably you can look at the research and the trends of the, of the time between the sixties and the nineties. The reason we have a lot of free meal programs in schools is because the Black Panthers were feeding their communities. And a lot of communities, you'll be able to see this, um, but some research indicates that a lot of those municipalities added meals to their school systems because the Black Panthers were doing it for them. It made the system look weak. They were giving something to the community that was needed. And so it pushed those local governments to provide those things i mean and it's i guess what i'm trying to say here is that i think what this movie does do and it does give me some inspiration even though it is such a tough subject matter is that being emblematic being that symbol and showing that unity is far scarier to people in power Mm -hmm. than those actual weapons and being united and and calling Mm -hmm. people out whether it is on a digital medium whether it is in person and saying this is wrong and we're going to keep you accountable that's always going to be important and that is something that that gets things done and changes things Um, for sure so that was the piece i wanted to share and it kind of turned it, that message from the beginning of the movie upside down on its head. And I just, yeah, I just wanted to share. I that. think it's important though. Like, and I think that's a good point. And I think I want to, I think this is a good place for me to share a point. Cause I, I did a, I did a Facebook live where I asked people to like send us any questions or thoughts that they had on the movie. So I think it's important to share that because we are not the only ones that one thought that this was particularly heavy or thought that this was, um, kind of filled us with that sort of like hope mixed with a, a cocktail of hope and anger all sort of blended into one beverage. So um, Josh Yon, um, a, a family member of mine, um, you know, through Brittany's side of the family, uh, sent us a message and he said this. He said, just finished Judas and the Black Messiah. The, in, en- the ending was heavy. 
exclamation point. I don't have much knowledge of the Black Panther Party to speak to all of their agenda, but they're but I sure as hell believe everything the FBI did and wouldn't put it past them. Their track record is atrocious. When the credits rolled, I just had an extreme anger and understanding of what they all were fighting for. And I think the worst part about this happening 50 years ago is not a damn thing has changed. Um, and so I think, I think that's an easily to understand message. So again, shout out to Josh for sharing his thoughts with us. Um, it's complex and I wish we had better, I wish we had better answers for like some of those feelings of anger and frustration other than the movie did its job. Like, you know what I mean? Like the storytelling did its job. If you, if you left this feeling really frustrated, if you, if you left this viewing going, man, why did they do that? there's a lot more reading and material that you can get into to help educate why those things were happening. And I encourage you to use something with those feelings. Like I encourage you to say, okay, why is this happening? And just dig a little bit deeper on a lot of this because Fred Hampton might be the most prominent one, but there isn't a lot of many others. Uh, I mean, there's others out there who are just on his level of knowledge base for many that this also happened too, and were you know community leaders that were silenced through one way or another. Um, that that so it's not it was not uncommon. Um, Listen, we have to fuck. There's a it's it's goddamn. It's hard. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Uh, yeah. Right, trying to change and trying to understand the world that we're living in. Um, Y'all have kids, you know what I mean? And, and there's Oof. going to be a point where a conversation surrounding this will happen. Mm. The conversation that J. Edgar Hoover had with Agent Mitchell was he personalized the shit in yeah. order to get the work that he wanted done. What happens when your daughter brings home a Negro? That was the question. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there's going to come a moment where what happened, and, and my question is not really a question that needs an answer, but when your feet are put to the fire, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's time to stand up. It's my favorite question. What side of history will you be on? What yeah. is the story you will tell to not y'all necessarily, but yes, y'all, what story will people tell to their kids, their grandkids? What did you do to help? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and even for me, it required me to do more research. Right. I, just because I'm black don't mean I get I, I, I get the immediate feelings and emotion. But just because right. I'm black don't mean that I automatically am downloaded with all the black history of all the powerful leaders that have ever in not, existence. And it just you know what I mean? Like you're not just born with that. It don't know. No, maybe it's Maybelline. Fine. But like it, it's so it's it doesn't work like that. You yeah. have to put in the work. And like Doug said, it's, it's a matter of what will you do when it's you versus you in the mirror? Yeah. Are you going to push yourself? It's my favorite creed. That was one of my favorite things. When you throw a punch, that person in the mirror going to throw a punch right back at you. So what are you going to do? Right. So you have to figure out for yourself, what does this mean? Right. We can give you the keywords and the taboo words and the, and the hot button words like privilege and, and, and broken systems and all this stuff. And you can Google it, but for you to understand it, remember this feeling. Yeah. Remember this feeling when it's time to stand up. And when you start, and when, when people start feeling like, well, this is just doing too much. And I just don't understand the system is broken and it's still broke. It was broken, still is broken. 
and they're still trying to cling on to it. Right. But what change are we going to bring? Right. Now that I'm mad, now that I'm upset, because I was heated, I was hot, fiery, mad. But then I had to evaluate my feelings and say, what am I going to do? What is the solution? I think what can a, I do? Well, and I think the, I mean, you've told me this before, but your brother has always said, what, now what? Now what? Because I can go and, and I can go and I can tell Brian, Brian, I'm mad at you. And Brian, and, and, or well, bad example. I could go, Brian could <laughs> come no to me and say, Brian. Brian, could, <laughs> Brian could come and say me, Marcus, I'm mad at you. Okay. And then the next question would be, now what? What are we going to do to fix this? Are you just going to talk to the vapors? You just going to put it up in the air and it don't go nowhere? Or are we going to do something to better the system? And most importantly, are you going to do something when it does not directly benefit you? Fred Hampton died at 21 in his bed, shielded by his pregnant wife. 99 rounds fired off. One, one round fired off yeah. by the people in the building. That's an assassination. The man was still breathing, drug with fentanyl, still breathing. They went over his body and shot him dead and pointed a gun to the belly of his pregnant wife. This is, we try to make slavery, we as in this world, tries to make things like slavery and the Holocaust, which is my problem with Clara Dune. We try to make this shit so sexy and we try to make this thing so palatable to people, but there is an ugly fucking truth to the world that we live in. And it's time that we stop bullshitting ourselves and start doing something else. Right. And I think an important quote to keep in mind and, and sort of to back that up is, um, and I want to answer your question because I, I think it's important to note just for me as a parent where my brain space gets with this, like um, with that very question to be asked that question, because I said, Cause I, cause when he asked that question of, of, of Roy, I, I almost felt like a, do I, I need to say something like, I almost was like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you, Jay Edgar, I'll, I'll, I'll tell reply. you what happens. <laughs> you, Fuck, you fucking it. nothing. Like, yeah. great. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. give him a high five. Like, like that, that's, what's going to happen when he shows, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but love is just a, love is just an ideal until it's put into practice. Hmm. And I think that goes for a lot of different things. And so I think that one thing that you can do, because again, this work is hard and some people just aren't ready in a brain space to do the hard work. So do the work you can do now. So you're ready when your time comes. Like one thing you can do is evaluate your values and figure yeah. out how you put them in practice. If you believe readjust that, them too. if you believe exactly, you can reevaluate them. If you're the type of person is like, okay, I believe in hard work. Okay, great. What does that mean when you really have to put it into practice? Right. If you agree that things should be, if you believe in fairness, what does that look like when you put that shit into practice? Like start thinking about those things and having answers to that. And you'll be light years ahead of others who, who, who maybe aren't having those considerations. But to ask, to answer that question, because I've been thinking about this of like, and I don't know why, and maybe this is just my burden as being someone who has social anxiety. But one of my areas that I think about is, because I get this question a lot and I go to war with people in the car when I go on long drives. And so for those of you who don't know, I drive to and from the gym uh, every morning at 4.15 in the morning. Um, and I drive 35, 40 minutes. Um, and usually either the way there or the way back, I'm, I'm arguing with someone in the car who's not there. Mm. And one Got day it. it was somebody asking me, 
like, well, why, like, well, what are you going to do if your son or daughter turns out like if they're, if they're gay? And I legitimately said, I don't understand what the question is. Like, this was the argument I was having with somebody else. Like, I don't understand the question. Like, I'm, am I going to stop loving them? Fuck no. So, so it looks like if, if that putting that love into practice sounds like I'm going to have to get over whatever shit I'm fucking holding on to because I love my son, like, and, and whoever he loves, you know, is, is, is all that matter. And his happiness is all that matters to me. So to answer Jay Edger, Edgar's question, what happens the day my daughter brings home, like my, the day my daughter brings home a, a black man from college or from high school or what have you, I, I'm going to ask him what his favorite run the jewels album is. Like, I don't understand the fucking, you know what I mean? I don't understand the fucking question. Like what's, what's the question here? Is that the worst case scenario? Really? In all of the world's problems, that's the worst thing that could happen. Like, and that's the other thing It's like, as a parent, who somebody brings home like that is like the they're coming home they're alive like yeah, that like, 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 like let's set the bar a little bit lower can we like they're alive they're breathing they've eaten they have a place to live they came home like great so i, I don't know that's just i hate that question i hated that question i, I hated that he fucking asked it too it made yeah, me so mad and it's so and it's because that j edgar hoover could never see himself in that situation no whereas it may have seen mitchell may not have given a fuck or even given that a second thought for whatever reason because of the system that he's in and maybe he just never thought that my daughter would never do that because of how it's raised the other part of that is loving people for who they are which right. means under getting to understand and know them okay right. so you bring somebody home who is who is gay or who is bi or who is um transgender or who is black or who is whatever you have to be able to not only be like, okay, cool, like whatever, whatever, whatever. Also, I want to be able to understand and make sure I make you feel comfortable in this situation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that is yeah. what's most important because if it, and it relates to what Doug said, if I want to make sure, and Harrison's my guy. So if I want to make sure Harrison <laughs> is loved to the most extreme, then making sure Harrison is loved to the most extreme is making sure I understand who Harrison loves to the most extreme. Right. And it and it and sometimes it's just that simple. And obviously, this is some this is obviously a different conversation than where the movie is we kind went, of pertaining we went, we to. Took a right turn. Um, but I do think that although this world may f be filled with more O'Neills than Fred Hamptons, Fred Hamptons are so much more impactful and important in what is needed uh -huh. than O'Neills. Yeah. So although it can be overbearing to see a lot of O'Neills. You have to remember that if you are a Fred Hampton, continue to be that. Right. Don't don't fall by the wayside. It can be hard to be buried by that feeling, but I, you have to keep going. We need more of that, Brian. Right. I feel like you got a lot. Like to you've say. been doing long division. You've been pondering right. down there. No, I've I've been listening, and I think I I've really appreciated the conversation because I've given a lot of thought to a lot of the things that have been said, and I think. I think I've also I've also had the opportunity to be in a lot of spaces where these ideas and this work has been done. And I guess knowing that we have listeners, I, I don't know where you come from. And you might feel the same way that that uh, I'm so sorry, Doug. Can you mention Josh who asked the question? Yeah, you might feel the same way as him of just where do I go with these feelings? And I 
I feel angry. I wanted to throw up after I finished this movie um, <laughs> oh, yeah, because it 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 just I'm made right. me so, feel so. I can't put it in words. It did make me want to throw up, but in a way of just disgust at the system, not because the movie was bad. It 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 that was the impact the movie had on me. And so, what can you do, right? It's like, and it's exactly to what Marcus said. And I I also will take my fellow folks who want to do this work, who say they are allies and you want to do this and you want to, how do you help? And one of the things I will say is, and we talk about this too, every podcast, read a book. And I'm not kidding. Like I'm not being exact. I'm not (laughs) being exasperated. I'm not exaggerating. Pick up a book. And if you're like, I don't know what book to pick up. There's so many, I'm going to tell you one end of policing because everything that you see in this movie of how the FBI, of how the police treat the Black Panther organization, it is related to almost every chapter in that book. It's a pretty fast read. It's 200 pages. I think you can get it for like three bucks. That's a really good place to start because if you start informing yourself of how our law enforcement was built, how it was created, and how it treats Black people and how unfairly it treats them, that is a place to start so you can start advocating for them. So just read a book, look at it, understand and that's a good place you can start and you know if you if you have kids too books are also another good place to start there are plenty of books talking about how to have those conversations with your kids and there's a lot of ton of good kids books that tackle that too that you can read with your kids i would say talk about these concepts with your kids and you need that your kids deserve that and i would say brian to your point kids books i think have done a better job at, at helping because what they do is, is they, you know, kids can't handle complex ideas super well yet. Their brains just aren't there. So what I think these, what kids books have done, boil it down to just really fucking simple concepts of like, Hey, there are people who are different. Be nice to them. Like mm-hmm. that's, I mean, it's, it's really like yeah. that simple, like overall. And that's what I appreciate about, kids books so i think if you are a parent because i think that's the other hard is hard part is and that's what was hard for me like when george floyd stuff happened this this past summer i was like geez i gotta stop like i gotta i gotta start having these conversations so i was like how do parents even start this so i went on like a amazon got a lot of business for me of just like ordering (laughs) like every kid's book that existed on yeah on just people who were different not even if the subject subject matter was was different but just that the like the characters looked different, like to try right. and expose to that sort of visual on that end too. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And I want to make it really clear for anybody who heard Brian say that, you know, the police need to be defunded or, or refunded or their funding needs to be allocated. He is not calling any individual member currently of law enforcement, a bad person. He's saying that the system's fucked up. Like, so let's just make sure that that's really clear and that no yeah. one gets that shit twisted. How many movies have you fucking seen where a cop does some dirty shit and you'd be like, ooh, that's such a bad cop. And ooh, that's a dirty cop. Like, how many of, where do you think these stories stem from? Like, the, there are the, people doing this shit all the fucking time. Remember, and the I, theme for the little things was the police is fucking up. Like well, remember, remember exactly. exactly. I he can't was, think of a better movie that we have talked about. And he was a black cop. And he this. fucked up too, and he's a part of a fucked up system. Going back to the book thing, here's three books. Everybody paying attention. Everybody look at the screen. Okay. Look, I be on Patreon, but I also say it. White Rage. Okay, White Rage is a great book um, by Carol Anderson. 
White Rage is a good book. I got this book um, at an Encore conference. Um, How to Be Less Stupid About Race. Also, very good read. Got this book for my dad for Christmas. And, of course, this one, I talk about this one all the time, Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Very good read. So if you want to start somewhere, these are great. We, white Rage is not just for white folk. It's mm-hmm. It talks about the racial divide. So just I want to offer more books that these ain't just for decoration. I do be reading, y'all. Just believe it. Although I, cur- I curse like a sailor. So, you know what I mean? But it's just, that means you appreciate how all words, not just some words. That's yes. what that is. Yes. So, all words yeah. matter. Oh, that's oh, fuck. <laughs> we just I wasn't gonna touch guys. That. We did yep. so good. We, we made did. this. We and then we it got wouldn't to be all us if we, it that's wouldn't be fair. us if we didn't just flip. I do appreciate this conversation, gentlemen. I do think that this movie is so much more than just what an hour or two hours can really mm-hmm. fucking it, dive into. Yeah. Um, it but, defies yeah. like it's almost like public service. Like and and mm-hmm. I like. I don't even know how else to describe it. I mean, like, yes, it is a dramatization, but if this drives you to learn about the actual history, then it's worth it. Like yeah, it, yeah. it is. Yeah. Watch the movie. You do, it doesn't hurt you to watch it and it doesn't hurt to spark conversation. And I think the other thing that I'll, that I'll close with too, is I think that mm-hmm. if, if this, if, if our conversation about like race and the impact of this movie uh, being something bigger um, makes you, nervous or if it makes you hesitant to watch because you're like oh man i don't want to watch a movie that's that's got such a heavy subject matter watch it because it's just really fucking well done like yeah. the shot the shots are gorgeous oh the I, yeah we didn't even talk about that the, th- yeah, the no, theming the theming of this movie like the set pieces their clothing looked original the 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 way that they made chicago in the six late 60s look original like every piece of this top to bottom the acting the shooting the directing, God damn the writing. let's wait the acting daniel jesus yes I, you trans i mean, I mean lakeith too but daniel yeah. you transformed yourself in the fucking fred hampton yeah and, he absolutely did fishback oh my gosh the oh, big yeah. three of this film y'all carried this motherfucker yeah. now there is one person that i would like to um just kind of give some advice to and hold on let me get his name his name is uh you know you know who I'm talking about, dude. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. Yes, Jesse Plemons. Oh, Roy Mitchell. You got to get out these roles, player, because you did the same shit in Detroit, and people are gonna really start <laughs> thinking you racist. And I'm thinking you playing these roles extremely well, player. And I just feel like you gotta you got some range on you because you really. I feel like that N word is sitting in your gut, man. That might oh. be the next set, but gee. <laughs> You, you gotta do something else. Be on our side for once. Like, good, goddamn, be an advocate. Good Fuck. news. Rumor on the street is he's getting cast in a Martin Scorsese movie next, so maybe he's oh. breaking the chain there a little bit. Let's hope so. Jesus, because you're doing too good of a job. I'm almost questioning your whole existence. <laughs> but I mean, to Marcus's point, I mean, Daniel, when they were doing the recording at the end when the credits were rolling oh. and it was actually Fred Hampton speaking, I was like, oh, yeah. they went back to the scene in the movie. Right. No, they did not. <laughs> like, that was Fred Hampton. Uh, Daniel Kalu just did such a good I, job of I, playing that voice. Yeah, it was I, just so well done. Yeah. And not that awards him. are like the end all be all, but boy, howdy. I don't know how you get to award season and not recognize that he or, or or Daniel in this. Yeah. I, I just, Keith I, said he had to go to therapy too for this yeah. role. I would believe it. that a hundred percent. Yeah. He, he said initially when they approached him for it in this thing that I watched after they said, he said, I initially tried to turn it down. Like I Ew. initially just did not want, he's like, yeah. I didn't want anything to do with this. 
Well, because he thought people were gonna hate him. They thought that he was gonna. They were gonna consider oh. him O'Neill. Like, well, oh, how could you do that? And how could you? Because people have a hard time separating too when it comes to. And I think he had a hard time separating it because I think when he initially knew when he learned about the character, he was like, this person's just a bad person. Like, I don't want (laughs) to like, I don't want to take on that role. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like there's no complexity to this guy. But then as he started to read the history, the, the, the historical record and what, you know, everybody had written, he was like, no, 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 there's, there's something here. And I'm so, man, I'm so glad he played it. I'm sorry he had to go to therapy, but man, I just, I think that just speaks to the level of commitment he brought to it too. Lakeith and Daniel were in Get Out. I keep, yeah, I love the fact they that were. all these actors are all connected by some type of. Uh, but also, movie. don't talk about Get Out because I haven't seen it. Uh, also, Rel, look, Lil Rel, <laughs> Lil Howry, Rel How that was the most. He was random, also in Get Out, so the most random thing I think I've triple ever threat. Seen. Him yeah. just popping up was the most random thing I've yep. ever seen. But yeah. nobody spoiled Get Out for me. I want to see how long I can go. Without- <laughs> I can't believe you haven't had that spoiled. spoiled. That's amazing. I still don't know oh, what happens, and it. so keep it to yourself, Jesus. dude. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Marcus and I are just shaking our heads over here, folks. Yeah, oh, goodness movie. gracious! Yeah, that movie's so old they giving it away for free in the red box. <laughs> <laughs> God, damn. <laughs> Gentlemen, is there anything else? You know, we've really, I think we've really de- dived headfirst <laughs> into this particular surface. movie. Woo. And you're right. We really did just scratch the surface. Is there anything super, super pressing um, that we need to cover with this particular movie? Go watch it. It's worth the price of admission if we go into our grading scale. Yeah. It's on HBO I, Max until March yep, 28th, 28th, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Watch this movie. Yeah. Just uh, agreed. Just watch this movie. And. Yeah, that's all, that's it. That's it. Cool. Uh, as Marcus mentioned, it's on HBO Max. It's also in theaters. If theaters are a safe place for you to uh, enjoy movies right now, if not, like I said, go the HBO Max route. Um, uh, gentlemen, this, I mean, this was a, just a fantastic discussion, but I do want to move us on to what we have to plug. Um, Marcus, what do you have to plug for us? I'm going to plug this song that I'm playing right now. I'm going to turn it up a little bit. So give, give me a second. Listen, this is my doubt. Okay. KD the poet. He just okay. put out a little three pack. It's called Cheers. This is the maker freestyle song number one. It's only three songs. So you can get through it fairly quickly. It's tough as hell. It's tough as hell. So I want to plug my boy KD to let you know I love you, brother. Um, please keep dropping music. Now I mean you you surprised the reaction, but that you know, good music is gonna last forever. And that's all I can really say about that. The Noah store opening back up. We all from vacation. We in planning mode right now. Now I mean, so let us know what you want to see. Follow us on underscore underscore the mantra. Follow me at Marcus J. Destin. You never know what the fuck I'm about to do next. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I might just pop up and start doing some magic or some shit. Like, ta-da. Um, so and Damn, is there anything else to plug? Hey, listen, do more, excel, push for excellence, and excellence, know that excellence can never be achieved. It is meant to be chased, okay? Excellence is meant to be chased, not achieved. So if you want to be excellent, it means you have to find the space to constantly grow. So please keep growing and please keep going. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Brian, you want to follow that up? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about plugging stuff. I'm going to be back here talking about thelovenerds.com, but I'm going to be taking a twist here. It's going to be similar, but not the same. I have been eating a lot of my feelings lately, and I can't (laughs) recommend enough the honey sriracha buffalo wing sauce that is on Uh, thelovenerds.com. Very easy to make. It's easy enough that I can do it. 
and it is delicious. So yeah, if you're like me, you got a lot of feelings. We talked about a lot of feelings during this episode, did. and I ate a lot of them this weekend. So if buffalo wings are your jam, it is a excellent sauce. You can go to thelovenerds.com uh, and look at the buffalo wing recipes. There's a lot of great ones. We didn't even really, Brian, we didn't even really get into it. Not just to exclude Doug, but I feel like Brian and I are more emotional creatures. <laughs> and, and just we didn't even really get into what we didn't really get into it and you know what it's a podcast and we really can't so if y'all want to hear more let us know we can do a bonus episode and really yeah. maybe kind of dive into our feelings more you know what i mean yeah, or for sure. pay for the patreon we might do this for free uh Doug wagner only, what do you have to plug i have two things to plug the first thing Ooh. i have to plug well i have three things i kind of want to plug um so the first one is this podcast as always follow us on uh social at films in black and white on facebook and at films in black and white on instagram and at films in b underscore w on twitter um we love putting out stuff we love y'all consuming it um i have been repeating the mantra five or 500 just because i'm, I'm done taking this shit too seriously we're just going to be ourselves from here on out um uh, because that's what y'all are paying for so um that's, that's absolutely right i also want to give some recognition to um Aaliyah and asia oh. jackson and there's what's the other person's name I'm, it's Aaliyah, asia and kayla and kayla uh, yeah. congratulations on starting a business they uh we got another black owned business in vermilion um, hey bougie berries um yeah. these are some just outstanding and intelligent bougie. students on this campus so shout out to you all for your success you're gonna go straight to the top so just keep it up we're i'm super super impressed and super proud um so keep it up the last thing i want to plug <laughs> is i want to plug marcus j destin's music Ooh. um because i was missing marcus when i was away this weekend and oh. i went back into the record and listened you to some of me. his music oh, wait you um, miss me huh? i don't can we just let me yeah. move on through yeah. this a little bit i'll give you a hug tomorrow don't worry um, about it. but i listened to his song patience and timing pnt Ooh. i believe is what it's yeah, called PNT. and that's a great great song so just again want to plug that that music coming out um y'all we got a there is there's a the three <laughs> Brian, I was not ready for, i was not ready for the sound effect we have a three-step key to success it's brian i'm gonna pod. kick it on down i'm gonna kick it on down to you to start us off because he kind of already did so what's the first key hey folks we were talking about this during the podcast but i'm gonna hit it again read a book read something informative, educate yourself. And the spin I'm going to take on it this week is it doesn't have to be all in one sitting. Do you only have 10 minutes and you don't want to look at your phone because you're going between the same three apps expecting something new? Well, guess what? I have something for you. It's called a book and you can just read it for 10 minutes. It doesn't require batteries unless you have an e-reader. That's cool too. Just read for 10 minutes and then put it back down. It's great. Yeah, no. Agreed. Not to be confused with an e-cigarette. You can also listen to a book. That's also acceptable. Sure, listen to a yes. book. As yes. long as you are consuming a book the way you do, that's all that matters. For sure, for sure. Marcus, you want to kick us on over to our next step? Listen, next step, drink some water. You already know that. Drink some water, and all water don't taste the fucking same. Okay, stop, stop just not. shoving anything down your damn throat. Okay, that Aquafina ain't doing you no damn justice. Go get some Voss. Sometimes you need to treat yourself. So treat yourself to a nice bottle of water. Also, I bought 
this okay living heroes stephanie williams book it's my very first own black owned comic book okay so go buy that go purchase that stephanie we love you can't wait to link up again and really terrorize the yes. motherfucking podcast waves okay but doug wagner what you got what's the last step gentlemen it's cold <laughs> and what's important to keep in mind is that many of us believe that in the cold smells somehow just freeze and come to a halt that somehow the the chilly temperatures keep all of that isolated well i'm here to tell all of you that it does not and so it's important that you wash your ass please it does not matter with what type of cloth depending on what you have access to it doesn't matter what type of soap if you're hey if times is hard and you can only get some dawn dish soap Mm. It's better than nothing. It'd be better weird, but it'd be better than nothing. Yeah. So just wash your ass. Yeah. The cold ain't going to kill the smell. Don't rely on sub-zero temperatures to keep the smell of your ass from, you know, invading other people's nostrils. So That's just true. stick with it. Wash yeah. your ass. It's really important. Listening. All three keys are just going to be doing great things for you. But it's remember, wash listen. your ass. It's going to bless your life. Uh, next week, we are back with a news episode breaking down some of the latest information coming out of Hollywood. Um, it, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, as I mentioned. Um, share us with a friend. Uh, share us with a friend. If you have somebody who listens, just share us with them. Um, but in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. And we will catch y'all next week. <laughs> Cause they think it come with a favor, uh Think I might roll up again, shit it out